So we're privileged to have with us today Fouad Masri, the founder of the Crescent Project. And this is an amazing ministry that has equipped over 400,000 Christ followers to reach out in practical ways to Muslims. And pretty excited to have him on this week because he has a new book with Zondervan called Sharing Jesus with Muslims. And I've been reading it. In fact, we got it for our whole staff. They're reading it. And there's just a lot of practical things that are going to help you uh, engage Muslims who are around us. And it's like we say at Uncharted, the Muslims are coming, the Muslims are coming, the Muslims are here. What are we going to do about it, church? So let's welcome Fouad Masri. What a joy to have you with us today, brother. Great. Thanks, Tom. So happy to be with you today. Wow. I think we need to go back a little bit for people that may not be familiar with your life, but you grew up in the Middle East. And uh, I've known this for years, but just reading up on it in your book, I thought, oh, this is so refreshing. You grew up in Lebanon, which aside from the politics and the religion and the war, it automatically means you're a good cook because they have the best food in the Middle East, right? Am I right? Yeah, I got to ask my family. I like to do the grill part. <laughs> you do. You like to do the kebabs, right? <laughs> yeah, I like to do the kebabs. I'm fine with that. Oh. Lebanese people like to cook. We like to, we like to see uh, good food. And, and uh, Lebanon is the middle uh, between Africa, Asia, and Europe. So our cuisine is very eclectic. Mm -hmm. And we borrowed stuff from the Persians, from the Turkish culture, from the Armenians, and, you know, from France, from Greece, Italy, and then uh, Ethiopia, Egypt. So many times when you come to Lebanon, the flavors of the meals are very eclectic, very uh, kind of uh, cosmopolitan, yeah. as you say in English. They really are. It's it's the best Arab food I've ever tasted. And I think one of the reasons is that eclectic feel it has. There's a place in downtown Beirut by the government buildings, and it's kind of famous. They do this puffy pita bread. And man, we bring teams there. And it's so funny, Fouad, because they're just eating and scarfing and loving it. And they don't realize they've only had about 10% of the meal at this point. <laughs> it just keeps coming and coming. We don't know how you guys do it. So anyway. We borrowed the concept of meza. You know, the meza is a, it's a old Phoenician word, which is also in Spanish, which means table. And uh, basically when you invite someone for meza, means you're inviting them for a table of different yeah. yeah, and you're right. They barely finished ten percent before they figured out. Wait, wait a second. There's more. Yeah. yeah, and you know what I love in Arab culture? It's more than a meal. It's a gesture of friendship. Absolutely. Uh, I remember, you know, talking with someone in Gaza, saying, "What happened? What would happen if something broke out?" And and you you were in harm's way, maybe Israel's coming in to respond, or or maybe Hamas is going after Christians, what would you do? You can't get out of Gaza, what would you do? And he said, I would go, I would find a member of Hamas and go to his house. And I said, <laughs> what? why? And he said, because we're Arabs, you mm -hmm. have to invite me in. If, mm -hmm. if you didn't, mm -hmm. he would be so shamed by his culture, and I would be safe there. We would have a meal together, and I would be safe. It's a beautiful thing about the Arab culture. And when you read scripture, uh, Tom, uh, there are two covenants. And uh, the covenant of blood, which means my relation, is important. You know, so <laughs> Isaac is the bloodline. You know, Ishmael is the next, bl another bloodline. But there's another thing we call the covenant of salt. 
it's even in the Arab culture called khibz milh means bread and salt. In mm. uh, if you look at the Bible, Revelation three twenty, Jesus says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in." And many times in the West we stop there, but there is one more thing: I will come in and sup with him, which yeah. means a covenant. Jesus wants a covenant. We're not in the bloodline, you know. Yeah, yeah. He is the he's the firstborn of all creation, as the Bible yeah. calls Jesus. But it's amazing the concept of adoption. God mm -hmm. is bringing mm -hmm. His family. What a powerful text! And I and I think most Middle Eastern people, most people who come from Middle Eastern background, that verse speaks to us so vividly because that's what we do all the time. Yeah. Uh, in and in, in, now I've been in America for almost thirty plus years. Americans like to have their meal about six, seven o'clock. You do the dishes and then you watch TV. In our culture, we start cooking at nine, <laughs> and, and you have people coming from everywhere. I mean, many times you sit at a table, you got neighbors, friends, guests you don't know, and uh, that's the difference culturally, which I believe God is using today, as we see many Muslims get welcomed by followers of Christ. Yes. Muslims hear the words of Jesus. I, I, Fatima is a teacher of the Quran from Syria. When she was given a Bible, she said to me, Fuad, I was reading the Sermon on the Mount thinking, I love the Jesus, son of Mary. I want to follow him. And, and I, I agree 100% with you that today, instead of thinking, are they coming? Not only they're here, but they are thirsty to know about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Getting back to that meal, it means everything sup in Revelation. It wasn't because Jesus is hungry. This is acceptance. This is the covenant. Yes. You know, there's about 10 or 15 new believers in Gaza from a Muslim background that we work with. And they're even bringing people in to visit with them. What do they do first? They're baking bread today. They're baking bread. They're getting a meal ready to show that they accept them in love. And they're going to share Bible stories. And it's a picture of what Jesus wants us to do with believers. And, you know, I, I think about you and all the practical training that you do. I remember some friends that uh, had a Muslim family on their block and they'd come and uh, been involved in our ministry. And then they heard you and they realized, Fouad, they have this Muslim family on their block and they've lived there for seven or eight years and they've never even met them. They know everybody else, but they don't know the Muslim uh, uh, family. And they were embarrassed and thought, why is this? So they invited them over to dinner and they came over while they had two kids and the kids were hyper. They were knocking things over at the table. They were just, just so excited, energetic. And finally the mom, I mean, it was like they drank Red Bull on the way over, you know? And the mom said, I'm so sorry. The kids are so loud and and we're having problems with their manners here we've lived in america almost eight years now and you're the first family to invite us over oh oh and oh. you know what our dear friends jay and marcia said this we weren't the only believers on the mm -hmm. block they mm -hmm. were actually getting mm -hmm. shut out by others they became friends you know they found out they found out that they're related to royalty in uh qatar Wow. And, oh, Kuwait, sorry, in Kuwait. Kuwait? Yes. Yeah, they, they were, and and so the thought of oh boy, they're Muslims and people are they dangerous? 
they're part of a royal family. And so anyway, but go back to how you started, would you? Yes. And, and Tom, this is something I learned when I radically decided to follow Jesus. I made a commitment to share the gospel. And I started with my classmates who were Shia, Sunni, Druze, uh, Orthodox, Roman Catholic, some from evangelical background. And I discovered that many times what Muslims uh, think of God is more of a pious thing. They want God to bless them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the issue is not with Muslims. The issue is with Islam. Islam is a problem. Islam has teachings that are not biblical. Yes, Islam mm-hmm. has teachings on killing Jewish people and Christians and non-Muslims. Yes, we have you know chapter 9 of the Quran, chapter 47, chapter 25. There is a problem, but as a follower of Christ, I need to look at the person. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, I discovered that many of them don't even know their own religion. Many times they're Muslim because they're Afghan. They're Muslim because they're Bangladesh, Bengali or Indonesian or Iranian. It's not like they studied and chose Islam. So that's a struggle today for Muslims because they think, well, I'm a Muslim because my parents are Muslim. I never chose and sadly, they don't hear the good news. They look at TV, at the media, at Instagram, and they get their information about Jesus, you know, not clear, or even Christian culture. Many, many Muslims, when you talk to, they think American culture is that Christian culture, which is not true. I mean, American culture has some nice things. I'm not saying a bad country, but in the same time, America does not represent uh, the gospel, the gospel is yes. deeper than this. Yes. So, and I like what you just said, because the sad part today is that people who are coming want to know. Like everybody wants a friend. Like when I came to America, I wanted American friends because I'm an America. When Americans come to Lebanon, they want Lebanese friends because they're living in Lebanon. So it's, it, don't be afraid. People should not be afraid to cross the street like your friend Jay and say, hey guys, come over or maybe come for coffee or for tea. And if they invite you, go. Because yeah. many times our culture, they say, uh, no, no, I won't come to you, but you come to me. It's like, oh, okay. yeah, take it. Take it. Say, yes, I'll come and have chai with them or coffee or maybe they'll make you a meal. You get to taste some something new. I mean, my Saudi friends made me kapsa and I just, I've never had kapsa and I had so much fun talking to Saudi culture. And them Saudi and Lebanese, you know, kind of like, friends because they come visit our country and Lebanese want Saudis to come tour tour there. But it's it's always a a fun way to build this. The other thing, Christian Project, as a ministry, when we started, uh, the goal was I wanted to do everything. I wanted to share the gospel, have a radio program, have a TV program, have a training. And, And the best thing I did in my life is that God told me to bring people around me. Mm -hmm. I always have a board and we did what they call is prioritizing. So the first few years, we prioritized training and we praised the Lord that in the last 12 years, we just broke 400,000 Christians trained, which means 1.8 million Muslims have heard the gospel through those who we train. So that's one thing. The second thing we did after we were doing ministry and training is we started doing avenues for people to cross the street and reach out. So we have English as second language as a ministry. We have a women outreach. We have a, a student outreach. We have now digital outreach. 
We praised the Lord last year, 41,000 hours of witnessing online. Not 41,000 hits, 41,000 hours. We've had people download Bibles. We've had Muslims get pray and receive Jesus online. We have people now in Bible study just using the online uh, arm. The other thing that I would love your listeners to know about is we're looking for Christian leaders, each one to meet one Muslim imam. There are 3,000 mosques in this country. It would be great to find 3,000 pastors or Christian leaders. Right. Each one, talk to one. We already now have about 200 plus, almost close to 300. So maybe somebody listening would like to be uh, involved in this. It's called Every Imam. And uh, our joy is to see that a country like the United States, where there's a freedom of expression, freedom of faith, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of choice. I mean, you walk in a Starbucks, you have so many choices. Right. And it takes you 20 minutes to look at all the choices. So uh, why not use that freedom to build a friendship? It doesn't have to be a big shindig. Just, hi, would like to come have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. I'm a pastor. You're an imam. Mm -hmm. How can we connect with each other? And you find that many of them welcome this because they feel lonely here. When you're in leadership, it's many times lonely, especially if you're in religious leadership. You, you know, you're criticized all the time, which any pastor knows that. I mean, any pastor who preaches, he gets emails afterwards. Some like it, some don't. Yeah. So the same thing, we can connect with them. And the power of the gospel, and you see that. I love your books, Tom, because you, you show the power of the gospel. It Isaiah 55 is very clear. My words will never come back void. And many times I discovered my ministry. I've been doing ministry with Muslims more than 30 years. I always think I'm the first person. No, I'm not. God already beats me there. Uh, many times I, I wrote the book, Sharing Jesus on Purpose. I want to share with my brothers and sisters that you'll be talking to a Muslim and they have a dream of Jesus. Or uh, I was on a flight from... Uh, uh, Paris, France to Dallas, Texas. And the guy sitting next to me was an engineer, uh, been in America 30 years, Pakistani. He said to me, when he found out I'm a minister, he pulled an English Bible. He said, I just bought this in Pakistan from a Christian store. Wow. I've never read the Bible. America has been a great country for me. I, nobody insulted me as a Muslim. I want to know about Jesus. We had a great conversation over the Atlantic, talking about the uniqueness of Christ. And that's why the book is called Sharing Jesus with that's Muslims. Right. That's what right. What happened in the last days now, Tom, is that many times it, the uniqueness of Christ, even in churches. Uh, I was in the Florida. The guy was speaking. He was supposed to be uh, some kind of priest from some kind of church. He said he doesn't believe in the virgin birth. I'm thinking, why are you representing the Christian faith? Yeah. There was a debate between a Jewish rabbi, a imam, and this man representing the Christians. And I'm thinking, wait a second. Christ is not a mascot. Christ is, a, is not just some nice guy that the Christians want to follow. Jesus is the word of God become flesh. He is the son mm -hmm. of the living God. He is the word of God. He is the resurrected Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6 is very important. So part of the book is, why Jesus is unique, and that's what we're presenting. We're not presenting to Muslims, you know, another culture or democracy or a club. That's, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good things in, in certain teachings, but the idea is Christ changes the heart. Christ changes the mind, the value system. 
for me, growing up in Lebanon, and I share more of the story in the book, and I have other books that they can read, people can read more detail. But the key thing for me is I did not love Jewish people, and I did not love the Palestinians. The oh. Palestinians killed my friend Walid at age 18. And so when I became a believer, I started praying for the Israeli people, started praying for the Jewish people, I started praying for the Palestinians. And the reason I share this story is that is not something you learn. You cannot teach love. It has to happen. You, That's right. You can have education. It doesn't help much because it doesn't change the heart. You, you can't buy this in a store. You can't go to a store and buy loving your enemy and loving your neighbor. You can't do that. It has to be a change of the heart. And Jesus says, if you hate your brother, he didn't say what brother. It could be a Jewish brother, Palestinian, Iranian, American, Canadian. He says, if you hate your brother, it's like you've killed him. And I love this verse because it shows that Christ has come to change us. He didn't come. He says, my kingdom is not of this earth, which means like what? I want to rule in the hearts of people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what bugs me today. Many times when I look at the Middle East, everybody wants to change society. But the only way to change society is to change the individual. That is so true. What happened in your heart, that was not a peace plan brokered by the UN. That is straight from Jesus. Hallelujah. Your heart. A friend of mine that uh, Mahmoud that grew up in the Gaza Strip, and he said, for me, my enemy was across the fence. It was Israel, and I hated them. And he said, but then I become a believer, and I decided I wanted to become a full disciple. Amen. And I said, okay, I think I know where you're going with that, but what do you mean? And he said, well, I don't want to pick and choose things. I got to do it all. And I got in the Sermon on the Mount, which is so powerful with Muslims and new believers. And he said, love your enemy. That was easy. They're across the fence. They're the Jews. They're the state of Israel. I hate them. And God took all that away. When I confessed that, he took the hatred away and replaced it with love. He said, and I realized it was a supernatural hatred because mm -hmm. I've never met a Jewish person in my yeah. life. Oh, yeah. Me too. I never met a Jewish person. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And then a supernatural love. God gave it. But, you know, going back to this, Fouad, so Muslims, they grow up in Lebanon or wherever. They may be practicing. They may not. But I'm sure they've heard this. You were born a Muslim. You will die a Muslim. Sure. And so it's like God has to bring out the heavy artillery to get through that. And he can use relationships like our friend that walked down the block and built a relationship. Wow. We were privileged to write dreams and visions. Is Jesus awakening the Muslim world? Just mm -hmm. so many. We get dream stories pretty much weekly, sometimes daily of Muslims mm -hmm. had unbelievable dream stories. And then relationships when someone shares the word of God, a friend, her name is Lily. She's from Iran. She did not know Jesus from the next door neighbor, had no idea. Her parents start warming up to him. They bring her over one day and they're watching the Jesus film and she caught the last 10 minutes of it. She said, I have never seen anything like this in my life. I know zero about Jesus. And a friend that was there said, what do you think about this? And she said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Words out of her mouth. And Hallelujah. You know, we hear this all the time, Fouad. Muslims have to hear the gospel 20 times or they're not going to get, you know. The spirit of God is quite capable of getting through all the barriers 
Amen. one time on the first shot. And she followed that up. She became a believer, works for a ministry now. And that's why I'm so excited about your book, Sharing Muslim, Sharing Jesus with Muslims, because this not only can change the world, but it can change us. We when right. people ask all the time, are the Muslims open to the gospel? <laughs> the real question is, are we open to share it? Amen. Because they are open. We know that. So take take them back to Lebanon. You had targets all over. You had people to hate. How did God soften your heart? Well, it was through reading scripture. And uh, the reason it was important during the Civil War, and I share some of that in the book, but the idea is that as you see people killing each other, and then you see the uniqueness of Jesus, and you think, mm -hmm. wait a second, people are willing to die for, a, for some political leader that he himself probably abusing his own people, stealing their money, whatever. And um, uh, why am I not willing to serve the Lord 100%? And um, it was a family member who lost his family through a bombing. And that was the trigger. I went into my room. I prayed and I said, Lord, change me. Mm -hmm. I want to be a soldier of love, of peace. And that was the, the next morning. I mean, I started to pray for the Israelis and praying for the Palestinians. Arafat will pass behind my house with his tanks. And I was like, where is this love? Where is this change of heart? And I knew that Christ has done a new um, work in me. I was in Beirut in August and I um, was riding in a car with a friend of mine who's a uh, PhD um, professor. And uh, he teaches religion. So he looked at me, he goes, Fahad, during the civil war, uh, didn't you want to like join the militia? Yeah. I said, oh yeah, I wanted to join the militia and uh, be part of the fighting. He goes, why did you not join? I said, because I got saved. And he looked at me like he was driving. He looked like, what? I said, what yeah, I became a believer. I, I mean, I like this guy. He said, I was a full disciple. I'm like, I'm not going to go half and half. Either I follow Jesus or I don't follow Jesus. And if I follow Jesus, I can't join the militia. You know, my enemy is not the Sunni or the Shia or the Maronite or the Orthodox or the Israelis or the Syrians or the Iran. For Christ, the power of the gospel is that when you look at the book of Acts, it came from all nations. That's I mean, right. I'm doing a study in Philip now. And Philip went to Samaria. Philip, as a Jewish person, went to talk to the Ethiopian um, uh, I was. Uh, if you look at uh, the story of Lydia, yeah. a beautiful text where Lydia says to Paul, "Hey, if I'm part of the family, you come to my house." And That's right. It says that in the Greek, it's powerful. It says, "You know, she made us, or you know, compelled us." And um, that's the power of the gospel. That's where you know, I wanted to use the word sharing because it's it's a softer way to understand that we are together in this search. The other thing was that the Great Commission is misunderstood. Mm -hmm. It starts with Jesus saying all authority. The Great Commission doesn't start with go. The Great Commission starts by all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, we're going, we're sharing because it's a Jesus time. It's a Jesus moment. It's a, it's the Jesus message. I, I remember him, uh, talking to somebody. I was at a Starbucks and um, saw this Muslim guy. He looked like my cousin. I said, "Salam alaikum, brother." You know, we sat down. I had I had none of an appointment. I just wanted to get some coffee, and he was there. And he said, "So why do you want to tell me about Jesus?" I said, "Because Jesus told me." He goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "Jesus told anyone of his disciples to go. He has all the authority. Therefore, go." 
and tell people who doesn't know. And suddenly he, he looked at it like, oh, wait a second. This is not about getting members in my church. It's not a agenda. It's a obedience. It's an act of obedience, of love. It's not a, and that's why it was important. There's a whole section on what is the Great Commission in, in that the church misses the point, not only in America, everywhere. We miss the point that the role of the church is mm-hmm. to, to share the gospel. The role of the church is not another building, which we need buildings. I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, as a pastor, as a leader, as a, as a Christian uh, a member of the family of Jesus, my role is to invite others to the family of Jesus. Amen. And I like how we started with dinner. You know, there's a parable of the great banquet that Jesus told. So many times we're just telling Muslims and even you know, everybody. It's like, hey, guys, there's a there's a dinner coming called the dinner of the lamb. You want to join us and <laughs> you know, be on the table with us. That's an, And that is attractive to them. You're being invited. You're being accepted. Yes. You know? And, you know, Fouad, uh, when I first started working in the Middle East in the 90s, I thought, how can this be that this area that was the home of the Bible, the place where Jesus walked, uh, the area where the gospel was so strong in the first centuries to have just been steamrolled over by Islam. Why is that? And of course, convert or die was, uh, you know, a strong motivation there. But I just deep in my spirit, I always wondered how strong were those conversions? Now it's tradition. They did it to save their life. And then as you read in Acts 2, and this is just glorious, Pentecost, 50 days, you know, after the resurrection, the believers are gathered in Jerusalem and the spirit of God descends. And Peter, who had defected and denied the Lord three times, (laughs) men of Israel and stands up and preaches 3,000 are saved. But God could have picked any of the nations in the world to highlight, because they were all there, the scripture says, from all the nations. He picks out certain nations. You're right. The Arabs. And as you start reading this list, this is where the gospel is flourishing now. Hallelujah. People who don't work in our work would think the Middle East has got to be the deadest area. No, the Southern Baptists did surveys. It's the fastest growing region for the gospel in the world. Dangerous? Of course it is. Get yes. persecuted and killed? Absolutely. But it's growing faster than ever. And I think God took the time through the spirit of God to write this through Luke that we would understand this is the area where it started. This is the area where it's coming back to their roots are in Christianity, not Islam. It wasn't even invented for seven more centuries. Yes. Look at, look at what he points that out. The the Persians, the Arabs, the Elamites. I mean, this Iran and the Arab world, and this is where it's happening. And never before, Mm-hmm. we ever seen such amazing things as we see today you're living it you're hearing it we are too we want the body of christ to jump in and be a part of it and obviously the first question is always well what do i do how do i start i love this book sharing jesus with muslims because at the end of the chapter each chapter you have 55 seconds for change <laughs> it's a one minute read here's something you can do today and yes, you, know, sir. you don't have to go get a phd you don't have to go to seminary whatever here's something you can do right now you just learn this here's a way to respond tell me about that i i love that 
Thank you. Uh, no, Tom, this this is I prayed a lot for this, and God gave me a great editor, Stan. Uh, is it, Guthrie is an amazing person to work with. Um, I I love his mastery of the English language. You know, English is my second language. But the powerful thing we wanted, we wanted the book to be more than just a, a scholarship on Islam. Yes, absolutely. We need to know theology. That's fine. But when you're talking to your Muslim friend, you want to start on their level. Yep. Many times we start where we are, but that's not right. Even our Lord and Savior, when he talked to the Samaritan woman, he started, hey, you know, give me water. I mean, it wasn't a theological discussion. And we wanted the 55 seconds to change because we wanted the chapter to be a place where people would take a minute and say, Lord, change my heart, change yeah. my mind, change my approach. Uh, let me take a step. And you find throughout the book, each, each uh, 55 seconds is a different way to mm. action. And, uh, the, you know, you've seen this all the time. Christ does not want us to judge people. He wants us to show them love. Mm -hmm. And many times you and I, Tom, when we share, we discover that the gospel is moving in their heart, not even at that moment, maybe before and then later. So many times people tell me, well, maybe they get offended. I was in Michigan talking to some students and they said to me, well, we have Muslim classmates, but we don't want to share the gospel with them. And I said, why? They said they might get angry. I said, did you share the gospel with them? They said, no. I said, how do you know they're going to get angry? <laughs> You're judging the situation before it happens. And that's why the 55 seconds were very important. Like, hey, take a step. Let's see what's going on, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and, and um, the joy that you and I have is when we discover not only they're interested, they're not offended. Many times they're yearning for someone to explain to them the gospel. Now, they might not get saved. And that's okay, yeah. but that that yearning is is important for us because this means they're seeking the truth. Right. I personally believe, with all this technology, more people are seeking truth, not less. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And you know what? You talk about the fear that they might get offended. Actually, we found the reverse. They get offended that you don't bring it up, and then mm -hmm. that makes them think, well. You know, Christianity, this Jesus thing isn't very important because my friend would have told me. Exactly. I didn't agree with it, but that they didn't say anything about it. And so in, in this book, listeners, sharing Jesus with Muslims, here's something I really like how you do it. It's a little bit of information, a ton of inspiration with the stories and a challenge, consistent challenge. Every chapter, it's just, you know what? It's like Chinese water torture, just a drip, a drip, a drip in a good way. I mean that in a good way. It's like, don't, don't let go of this. This is something you can do. And so uh, what, a, what a great way to take people through because you don't want them to get lost in too much or they can't understand it. Really, the goal is Muslims need to hear this and they're all around you. So what can you do? Here's some practicals. And absolutely. And globalization, in one way, because of the technology, it's making people more open to discuss. So, for example, they did a study. One out of every six friends you have on Facebook is not in your even country. 
Wow. Which is true. I mean, I was in Beirut. You go in a coffee shop and everybody's on their Facebook or Instagram. And mo- most of their friends are not in Beirut. They could be in Dubai. They could be in Egypt. They could be in the United States, Canada. And and in many ways, that's helping making people talk. They want to talk. Mm-hmm. And, and um, some of the stories on purpose I put there because I wanted the reader to see that the conversation, even if it's... Uh, this agreement, it's all right. It's okay to say, hey, I disagree with you that salvation is by works. We believe that nobody can attain mm-hmm. their salvation on mm-hmm. their good works. And Muslims know it doesn't work. It just, what is the other option? See, in their, in their mind, they never saw the option of Christ coming with the grace, the, the power of the gospel. Salvation is, you say, from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. You and I, as men following Jesus, we, we are expected to do certain things. Now, that's not because it will earn our salvation, but it's a fruit of the Spirit of that. So that's one important thing. The other thing I did that um, I wanted to make sure that we, co- we cover this is in the conclusion, the last chapter, uh, I pushed the issue. Do we wait for God to reveal himself? Or do we reason with Muslims for why Jesus is the only way. Mm. And I asked that question because I've been, after ministering so many years, the Christian uh, the Christian leaders I talk to, they, they don't have an answer to that. And I put that in the end on the conclusion on purpose because I want to make sure there is an answer. Do we wait or do we go? Because mm. It's always this, this uh, tension. You know, uh, a lot of people saying, well, we don't want to go. Let's wait for God to move. And others say, no, we, we need to go because Jesus says go. And I, I think the readers uh, will love the, love the conclusion yeah, of the book. Yeah. But the, the, key, the key for us today is to really um, share with Muslims. And this is something that I saw in my life. When I share with Muslims, it gives me courage to share with others. It does. So I'm sitting on a plane and the guy next to me was Sikh. Yeah, he was a Muslim. He was Sikh, and I was had courage to share with him, because I share with Muslims. At one time, I sat back beside this uh, this uh, a professor, and and the moment I said it was on a Southwest flight, the moment I said I'm an evangelical minister, her response was, "Oh, great, one of those." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, I'm not gonna take this." I'm like, "Excuse me, I hope we don't offend you." And she goes, "Oh, I bet you watch TV," uh, and she called this news yeah. media and i said outlet i said no no i i watched the overseas news i'm more interested in overseas i said they're american news not really news <laughs> so and and uh, her her push was uh, you cannot legislate morality so i responded i said to her so you can legislate immorality and she goes what do you mean i said ma'am morality is a value system you cannot te- you cannot bring that by your law. It has to be from inside, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. And uh, so you, you know, loving your neighbor, loving your enemy, do unto others. These mm-hmm. are value systems that cannot be done. But because I've shared the gospel with so many Muslims and others, even with this professor, I was able to share more because I was ready. And one of the things about the book, people will have tools how to begin a conversation. And how to end the conversation. Mm. And, now, and uh, go ahead, go ahead. 
No, no. And and Tom, this we I was my dream was to write this book with Dr. Nabil Qureshi. Yes. Oh, I wanted you to tell that. And um, he's no he good. He wanted to do that. Yes. And we sat down. We wanted to add a section, and um, he didn't have a chance. But we wanted to add a section on discipling Muslims. So in the book, I spent time on putting a step by step way to disciple young believers because mm-hmm. for Nabil that's what grew him in the faith right. that someone uh, like his friend David like others around him who prayed with him and helped him grow spiritually and so we believe we believe not only that God can win Muslims but that God will use them for the spread of the kingdom of Jesus wow. which is happening right now as you and I are on this podcast and you know what we both know that some of the bravest believers we've ever met are Muslim background believers that are going for broke, uh, that are not afraid to suffer, not afraid to die. They're asked those questions before they pray to receive Christ. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to die? It could happen. And I think about my friend Mohammed that we just led to faith in Christ in Gaza a little over a year ago. He just started growing like wildfire. And uh, this year, when it came to time for Ramadan, Hamas was enforcing, everybody's got to pray the prayer. They were literally going house to house, making people pray it. And he was out in public and some Hamas guys grabbed him, Mohammed, and said, say the Shahada. And he said, I can't say it. They said, what do you mean you can't say it? And he goes, I'm not a Muslim anymore. I follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow. And I mean, he just lays it out there. They beat him up. They broke his arm. I his wife sent me a picture of his arm. It looked his forearm looked like a V, and he had oh. a little like gauze over it. I'm not even sure they even oh. had a doctor that could help him. And I said, Mohammed, I'm so sorry about what happened to your arm, but thank you for standing strong. And he said, Tom, that's not really important that my arm broke. He goes, Really, the only question is this: Did that experience conform me more to the image of Christ or not? And I thought, Oh my gosh. What a, what a spiritual lesson. And you know, the Jewish Muslim thing that, that we hear, there was, there was a guy in Iran, somehow got a hold of one of our books and started communicating with me. I was privileged to lead him to faith in Christ over the internet. And I'm in Tel Aviv going to speak at a Messianic congregation. And as the pastor is introducing me, Amir sends me a direct message from Tehran. And I said, you will never believe where I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here and I'm meeting with Jewish believers. And he goes, can I say something to them? Oh. And I said, oh, okay. wow. I went up to the microphone. We turned it on speaker. And he said, I want you to know we love you. We love mm-hmm. your country. Our government hates you. I'm mm-hmm. a follower of Jesus. And for you Jewish believers there, one day we're going to worship him together. Amen. Meet you in Jerusalem. Standing ovation. They couldn't believe it. One lady came up and said, I've never met a, a believer that comes from a Muslim background. I said, Well, now you have. And you've got a friend in Iran. We get to see not only salvation, but the transformation, this willingness to suffer and die. This Athanasius spirit. Remember Athanasius as he's going to the stake, one of the early church fathers are going to kill him for his faith. And he says this, if the world stands against me, I uh-huh. stand against the world. No, you, sir. 
Yeah, and sure. that's what we see with some of these MBBs. I mean, you hear these stories all the time, don't you? The bravery. Yes, sir. And and the, the beautiful thing is when you when you show that your faith for Jesus is more important than anything else, they want to listen. You know, some people panic because somebody canceled their membership or defriended them on Facebook and they say, Oh, we're being we're being persecuted. Wait, wait, wait. Let's put this in perspective. That's <laughs> kind of stretchy, man. <laughs> you know, but um, praise the Lord that today there is a move of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's a new revival going to happen. And uh, we've seen this every generation. God never loses a generation, brother. I'm shocked how God right. does it. But he never loses a generation. Even when you look at the book of Judges and the first Kings and the, the Chronicles, you see that even in under the Israeli uh, kingdoms, God had the remnant. And we believe this is going to happen again. It's happening among Muslims because the Muslims are seeing the problems. And wow. the, the Western churches, many times they, they think, well, it's okay here. Everybody's okay. And now they're waking up. And I, I believe a revival is coming. It's according to God's timing. But Jesus never loses a generation. We've seen uh, movements of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as we say, the, the, Holy, the Bible says to always say, come Holy Spirit, come. You know, renew the face of the earth and come, Jesus. We are waiting for you. But uh, thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you for your your uh, spearheading the idea that this is the time for action, for yeah. sharing. It's not the time just to stay home and pray, but rather let's take the gospel to the streets. Let's do it. And you know what? It's a privilege to partner with you, uh, listeners. Uncharted uh, has partnered with Crescent Project. In fact, the weekend. Fouad, we talked the weekend that Afghanistan was collapsing, which yes. is some of our leader friends. We called each other. What are we going to do? And we, yes. we were privileged to do some things together. And I, you know, our battle cry is always this. If we put down our egos and logos and come together, we can get a lot done for Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. And it was a privilege here to work with. Your team was receiving Afghans and teaching. We, we have 290 churches now. 290 churches involved in reaching Afghans in the United States. I was in California uh, 10 days ago, and uh, we met a pastor, a Pashto pastor, in, in uh, now the state of California, uh, planting a church among um, uh, Afghan people. Gosh, what a privilege. These, these are the days. These really are. And you know what? With the body of Christ out throughout the Middle East, Central Asia, North Africa, where we're, they're really in the fire, Korea, uh, they're willing to suffer and die. It could be one of our finest moments for the body of Christ in 2,000 years. And as Americans warm up to the fact that the Muslims are here and they're not going away, and the 1040 window that we used to pray for has moved to right outside our window. <laughs> Let's go <laughs> and reach them. We used to pray for that. And those people we prayed for, send the missionaries to the 1040 window. God brought it here. Those missionaries we prayed for are us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And they want to learn English. They want to learn our language. <laughs> that's right. You can get great training at Crescent Project and you can learn and Read Fouad's new book, Sharing Jesus with Muslims, a step-by-step -step guide. You'll get information. You'll get inspiration. You'll get some practical, challenging steps. And it's just a privilege to uh, be with you, brother. And God bless you. And hey, why don't we close? 
And uh, would you just pray for the body of Christ? Would you pray for Muslims around the world that this is our time, that we would reach out and, and share the gospel with them in a loving way so they can see Jesus. They can meet the real Jesus, not the one presented in the Quran. It's not the right Jesus, who Jesus really is. Yes, yes. thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, our website is cphope.org. Perfect. Um, Crescent Project now celebrates 30 years, and we're moving into church planting so people can know more about our investment in India, uh, Indonesia, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. We want to see churches planted uh, because the total population of these countries represents 50% of Muslims on earth. So cphope.org is a good website. But I agree 100% with you. This is a ministry to Muslims cannot happen without prayer. Mm. Not by might, not by power, but my spirit, says the Lord. So it's an honor to pray together. Mm -hmm. Abba Father, we thank you for technology. We thank you that through this medium, we can talk to hundreds of thousands of people. But first, we thank you for sending Jesus to be born of the Virgin Mary, to live a perfect life, give us great teachings, but die on the cross for redemption and raise from the dead for justification. We thank you, Father, because through Jesus, we can come to you anytime. We don't have to wait for a specific time or go to a specific place or to face a specific direction. We pray that your Holy Spirit today will move in a mighty way on your church, wherever it is, whether it's in Indonesia or Australia, in Canada or in Argentina. Lord, raise up men and women who will serve you, Jesus, in a mighty way. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will bless Muslims today. Father, bless Muslim fathers and mothers. Bless Muslim children. Bless them with the true blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. Great to have you. And sorry that Joanne couldn't be with us today. We've Our son's getting married this week in a couple of days. And the day after, we take off for the Middle East and there's a lot we got to pull off in the next few days, but uh, she always enjoys being with you. And Joanne got to be a keynote speaker at one of your conferences. Yes. As, as I did. And uh, I remember when you called me and said, hey, remember when you spoke at the conference? Well, this time we want Joanne. No offense, but. <laughs> well, oh. Mabruk to your son. Congratulations. Mabruk. And. Uh, Please uh, enjoy the weekend with your boy, and then let's connect when you get back from the Middle East. Okay, great. Thanks. You've been with us on Good News from the Middle East. And uh, be sure and pick up a copy of Sharing Jesus with Muslims. Get on the Crescent Project website, CP. How did you say it? How does it? What's the website? cphope.org. cphope.org. Get some training. You'll get inspired to reach out to your neighbors. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good news from the Middle East. Thanks, Fwad. What a blessing. Thanks, Tom. Love you, brother. Love you, too.